and welcome to Tea Time with Docs Josh, where we will sip the tea with our pinkies up and talk all things sophisticated. Bitch, please! <laughs> sophisticated, my ass, honey. You better get ready, because this tea's coming in hot. Well, hello, you beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of Tea Time with your boy here, Talks Josh. So, this week's episode is Unapologetically Me, Part 3. Oh, yes. We have, over the past two episodes, taken trip down memory lane, a.k.a. I have basically exposed my whole life to you, pretty much. We've taken trips through growing up in East Tennessee, good old elementary, middle school, the craziness that was high school, the start of college. And then we got up to the point to where I was about to come out to my first person ever. And I may or may not have like given you a coronary on like leaving you you hanging, but you survived because here you are for another episode. So is it time that we just dive right in? I think so. So make sure you are brewing up something super good, whether it's tea, wine, I don't care what you drink. This week for me is I'm having some evening in Missoula tea, just so happens to be my favorite tea. So here we are. It kind of is like this like comfort in a cup. Oh, and it's made from Missoula, Montana, which is one of my new favorite places on earth. Also where one of my favorite BFF nurse injectors lives, Sarah Burke. Yep. Love you. Mean it. You'll be hearing from her on a future episode. So let's dive right in, shall we? (laughs) So there, I had done it. I had said the words, the three words that I was terrified to ever say. I am gay. (laughs) I know, looking back on it right now, I'm just like, girl, how do you find? Come on out, boo. Like if I could just wrap my arm around my like younger self and just be like, I got your back, buddy. Like you're good. Just you're fine. Life's going to be just fine for you. Oh, I so would. But I did. I said it. And I was like, I knew she was my best friend, but you never know. So I'm just like, okay. And so her response was like, yeah, I know. (laughs) I was like, what? It caught me so off guard. I was totally expecting to like, oh my God, Josh, how dare you? You're going to hell. Or Ew, no, you can't do that. It's gross. Or like all these things. Like I was expecting like not. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like it just caught me off guard. I was like, what? And I was just like, really? She was like, Josh, it's okay. Everyone already knows and they don't really care. And it was just, I was in complete shock. I was like, Katie bar the door. Like wh- what? Like there's no way they could know. I'm so hidden. I mean, can you hear my voice right now? Uh, sure, sweetie, they knew. But I would like hid this person so well. Like, how did they know? And like, I just had a real honest conversation with her. And it, it meant the world to me. She'll never know what that moment meant to me to be able to have somebody support me in my most vulnerable moment. I'll never forget that. And so to stay, like, like, she was my, one of my best friends throughout college. And, you know, after college, sometimes people fall apart or not fall apart. Well, I mean, sometimes that happens too, sweetie. But like they fall out of touch. But she is still somebody that like I could call tomorrow if I needed her and she would be there. Like, love you, Stacey. But that meant the world to me. I was just sitting there. I was like, there was no hate thrown my way. I didn't get a Bible thrown in my face. There was no judgment. 
that was strictly love and acceptance. And it was so like nonchalant. And, you know, at Vanderbilt, I've, you know, I'd only been in East Tennessee to where it was like, you know, like Baptist, few Methodist, which the Baptists call drunken Baptist and the Catholics, which everybody's like, oh, no, 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 don't even get me started on that. I'm just like, okay, you do realize that like all religions pretty much stemmed from that one. So slow you roll. Anywho, I digress. But growing up in East Tennessee, we only had like white folks. We had very few black folks. We had very few different religions and cultures. So when I went there, there was like Jewish people. There was um the, you know, Hindu, like all kinds of Buddhist, um, Islamic, there was all kinds of cultures that I was exposed to. And it was a beautiful thing. So it was really cool, you know, look back on it now. And it's just like, you know, what was terrifying to me, like, you know, in her neck of the woods where she grew up in, like, it was not a big deal to be gay. So it was just really cool to see like people react in a way that I never thought that they react. And my eyes were open kind of that. And it was neat to also see and hear that like, you know, people could see the true me, even though I didn't really realize who that was at the time, you know, that, and I didn't even realize I was letting him out, you know, with me going back and, you know, being a funny guy that like everybody liked to be around this, that, and the other. And, and it felt like true friends, you know, I was letting him out and didn't even know it. They loved me for me. That was so powerful. But it was still a long journey to get to where I am now. But it was it was a good start. Like, I was like, okay, that was a cute moment. I kind of like that. Alrighty. So it was almost like permission to start the journey to being this authentic me, which I think we may have all had a pivotal moment in our life, whether you're gay, straight, bi, black, white, a dick or not. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter. I think we've all had kind of that pivotal moment. And just for me, this was kind of a powerful moment that it was the first time in my life that somebody was like, yeah, we know. And it's not a big deal. And it's okay. Like, she will never know how much that means to me. So it was not so cute. <laughs> was right after that conversation. Like, I had to go back to my freak out moment because here I'd done some, um, my, I'd done the do that night before. It was my birthday that night. Like it was, I can't, gosh, the details are a little fuzzy, but like, I just remember like the night before I had, um, you know, I'd had too much to, you know, drink and, uh, and all that. And keep in mind, I had, uh, asparagus, you know, uh, the night before. So just keep that in mind. So anyways, I'm freaking out. So now I've got to go to student health. And so I go to student health and I'm freaking out. I'm just like, oh my God. And like the nurse practitioner, the, um, it, she, poor girl. She was like, this kid is psycho. But I was just like, I like, I have an STD. I've got to of the mouth and I have chlamydia of the dick. Like something's happening. And that's, I slept with a man and this is the punishment that I get. Like, I'm not gay. I promise I'm not gay. Like, I'm not gay. Like trying to just hop back in the closet <laughs> and all these things. And it was just, oh my God. She was just like, well, let's calm down. It's fine. Like, you know, like, you know, did you use protection? I was like, yes. Like all these things. She was like, okay, well, let's do the test. So anyways, so she swabs my throat and I don't gag like the true queen I am. Uh, but <laughs> then she makes me pee in a cup. Well, she comes back and chat, Lord, honey, she was, she, and I'm distraught. I'm just like trying to calm myself down. But she comes back into the room and she's just like, mm, Josh, a uh, question for you. Did you have asparagus? Uh, you know, last night by any chance, and I was just like, yeah, you know, keep in mind, my friends knew that I'd never had asparagus before, and they did not warn me about this, but she goes, sweetie, you don't have an infection, like, you don't have, you know, like, it, you, you just ate asparagus, and it makes your pee stink, and I'm like, what? 
what do you mean? Like in tears. I'm like, so I'm just sitting here feeling like a complete and utter idiot. So anywho, so at least I don't have that. <laughs> so I'm just trying not to like lose my shit with that. I was just like, okay, sure. Mm-hmm. Totally embarrassed. But then she was like, I'm going to go ahead and give you the, an Z pack for the, um, whatchamacallit for gonorrhea. And I'm going to give you a, the, the chlamydia pill. It's one pill and just go ahead and, you know, start the one today and then take the Z pack tomorrow. I was like, okay, fine. So I'm still going home. I'm like just exhausted and emotional wreck. And then she, ooh, child. She, so I go home. I'm like, I'm like, I've got to repent. Oh my God, I'm never going to be gay again. Like blah, 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 blah. But anyways, I take the chlamydia pill that day. And the next day I wake up and I'm totally fine. Now keep in mind, I was also freaking out because I had like a saxophone performance that I had to do and I couldn't play with a sore throat. I literally the next day like completely was fine. I was like, oh, wow, I guess I did have chlamydia and it totally cured it, it all the, or whatever I had. And then I get a call from Student Health and they're just like, yeah, your test results come in. You were actually positive for strep throat. I was like, oh, okay, that's cute. So here I am terrified the very first time. Like not only is it my first true real experience, but I'm like, here I am like, that's just strep throat and a little asparagus pee. Who knew? Hmm. <laughs> was so embarrassed, but I was like, oh my God. Like I just resorted back to the old person. I was like, no, I can't. This is wrong. This is wrong. Oh my God. Looking back on that, I I can't. Like I laugh at it. It's just, it absolutely blows my mind. Lord. But I didn't let that stop me, you know, from having a good time my freshman year. So it was, it was really nice. Like that year, my freshman year, I had a blast. Like I, you know, like got to know great people. I didn't come out my freshman year. I came out to a select few because I was still nervous, you know, like kind of, I'd had all my Christmas presents wrapped in the closet and she was ready for her debut, but I was still a little too afraid. Like I'd put my little, my foot out and I'm like, hey, you know, like, and then I'd come out to the people that I knew I could trust. And like Stacy and Sarah were two of the people that I could really, truly trust. And I, they were my, they were my people back at Vandy. Um, and it was just so fun. Like, you know, like I just started living a life that just felt more me, which was wonderful. Um, uh, and I finally, like all y'all breeders out there, that's what we call straight people. Um, all y'all breeders got to like in middle school and high school experience, you got to slut it up. You get to crop, you know, cop a feel, you get to do all these things. Like I didn't get to really do that because, well, it was, it wasn't every day that somebody just comes to be like, Hey, I like guys. It was like maybe like two or three people that I kind of known, but then I was like, Oh no, we can't talk about that. But you all got to like have your horny teenage years. Well, mine just so happened to come out in college. So freshman year, I started to like put myself out there a little bit. And like, I was like, Ooh, uh, Ooh, child, this is what I've been missing out. That's, I, you know, I have my promiscuous days, you know, that's what college days for you. We all have our hoe phase. Don't judge. Don't judge me over there, Judy. I'll slap you with some tea, but I got to explore this side that like most of the y'all in middle school and high school got to, to, to explore. And so that was fun, but we'll save that all the details for a, another episode. So I had this newfound like sense of like this new person, like almost like I was reborn again. Like I was like, okay. So I was like, okay, I've told a few people, everything's fine. Everything's good. I was going to keep going through life. And like, I ended up just kind of having some fun and just relaxing a little bit. And then you have to head home. Oh God, the dreaded head home. Like I, here I am like, and have done like, you know, you, you all understand that. Like you, you freshman, you like at the end and then you go home and like, as, as your freshman, you stay out until three o'clock in the morning. You go out, you get into all kinds of shit that your parents have no clue about. And then you head home. 
And then your parents like, oh, we got him back. We got him back. I got that umbilical cord back. Oh, how did my, my umbilical cord was stretching, but now I got him back. But like, and then mom tried to give you a curfew. I was like, oh, I was like, you, you won't be in by like 1130. What? No. I was like, if you only knew half the shit I was doing at three o'clock in the morning, sometimes till seven o'clock in the morning, like you would, you would lose your shit. But it was just, it was, it was funny trying to go back to that. And, but also like, it was very hard for me to go back to East Tennessee after I had been this person, this new person. I was like, Ooh, I like this person and going back and having to put him back in a, in a box, like, girl, that was, that was real hard. It was real hard. But luckily during that freshman year, I had broken out of this, like that broken free the high school bullshit. Like, I like didn't care. Like I came back and I was just like, you know, like the people I hung out with my best friends that I wanted to, I came out to my best friends and they were actually really supportive, like Krishanda and Leah. And I found a really cool group of friends that I love and found actually three of my best friends, Krishanda, Dustin and Leah. Like, I mean, there you go. So it was, but I had this newfound of like, I don't give a shit. And I started to realize that I really didn't have to live my life for others or live my life to others' opinions or their approval. But at the same time, I was kind of like, I still kind of was on the surface level to everybody because I still wasn't comfortable yet. It was a breakthrough nonetheless and all that stuff. So I had fun. That was whenever I found out that that summer I found my, my first boyfriend, Dustin, Lord Dustin, Dustin Haynes from Strawberry Plates, as we said. But that lasted for about two weeks because then we realized we're like practically brothers. And still this day, he is my best friend. I love him dearly. And Krishanda, her, uh, her, well, some days, he, he's definitely got a little queenier now that he's, he's down in Florida and, and living it up. But it, him and Krishanda and Leah, that was kind of like my, my tribe. And like they, and uh, you know, funny as I've known Krishanda my whole life and Leah my whole life. And I could have told them so long ago and it would have been fine. But it's amazing what happens that like, whenever you bust a, out of the, the stri- strict living restrictions of what people society thinks and their norms like it's amazing what can happen like you can just start to blossom so anyways I go back sophomore year was fun that's the year how I came out at school <clears throat> it was I, like I wasn't planning on it but I had got my first true real boyfriend and there was a big band party and honey let me tell you like the frats and the sororities wanted our the band punch that we had, girl, would knock you on your ass. But I went to this party. It was the first time I had real interaction with like alcohol shots. I never had a shot before. So me and the boy, we got like a, some lemons and we got some lemon vodka. The thought of it right now still makes me want to vomit and all that stuff. And we're like, oh, and maybe a little lemonade, but I'm pretty sure it, there was no lemonade. And, um, and we took shots and I had back to back eight lemon drop shots. <laughs> I can't even right now. The th- I can't. The thought of lemon vodka makes me want to vomit. Anyways, I had eight back to back because I didn't realize. I was like, oh, this is just delicious. Yes. Sugar on the rim and bite of lemon tastes like lemonade. Here we go. Didn't realize like how quickly shots could fuck you up. So anyways, end up at this band party. Where, keep in mind, I was like, ooh, I'm feeling a certain type of way. Why Why is my vision blurred? Why am I doing this? Why am I up dancing on this? Why am I, what is happening? And I'm pretty sure I made out with half the girls in the mar- marching band that time. Like, I love to make out. It's fine. And I would love to make out with the girls. Totally fine, too. So I'm pretty sure I made out with like half the, the marching band that night. I even made out with a straight guy. And legit straight. Uh, that was fun. And they all watched, which was really cool. 
And I guess the boyfriend was like, what is this? But anyways, uh, I ended up just up on top of a couch and just screaming, I'm gay. I'm like all these things. And like, everybody's like, we already know. And I'm like, woohoo. So that was like my, my party. And then I almost had to be taken to the hospital because she had some alcohol poisoning and I was basically throwing up blood and my guts all in the toilet. Thank you. Eight drops of lemon drop shots. Oh God. Like I'm, I'm struggling with that. But yeah, so that was my coming out story. Um, that was real fun. Sophomore year, you know, had a blast. All that stuff like we always do. Um, that summer, let's <clears throat> fast forward to drum corps. So I'm a big marching band geek. Drum corps is like marching band on steroids. And I was in the color guard. I was in the color guards, honey. Like spinning the flags, rifle sabers, all that stuff. I ended up teaching that at Bandy. And also, uh, like, and still to this day, we'll teach color guard. I love it. But <clears throat> I ended up going to Madison, Wisconsin and marching the Madison Scouts, or as we like to call them, the Masculine Doubts, because it was an all-male corps. Like, there was one, w- there's one of two all-male corps, Madison Scouts and Cavaliers, or we call them the Cavaliers. It's fine. I can say that you all cannot. No, <laughs> but that's what they called us, the Masculine Doubts, and then they referred to the other one as, as that one. So it was all guys, and it was fabulous. Like, I was terrified though. So when I go up there, my mom drives me to Madison, Wisconsin. We do our little video. It was like a 12 minute pageantry video. It was great. She drives me up there and she sees all these color guard guys because we moved in before the core did. And she was like, um, are you are you sure you want to do this? And I was like, yeah, mom, everything's gonna be fine. I'm just like, I don't know, because I wasn't out at that time. And so she drops me off and she's like, oh, okay, well, all right. I'm here if you need me. If you don't want to be up here. It was like, Ooh, I'm about to drop my baby off at Gayville and I'm not ever going to get him back. But I was like, okay. So I left and that was the first time that I'd ever, like I had to shower with guys. I had to get naked, like in front of like 35 guys. Like I was pretty sure that 33 of them were gay. I know for a fact 33 of them were gay, but there was like three straight guys, I think, or 32 straight guys or three straight guys. I can't even remember. But, you know, all guys, color guard, honey, we queens. So I did that and that was really, that was really fun. That's when I truly started to like, like come out of my shell. Like I said things like holla and churl. Ooh, let's give it a whirl, swirl. Like all these sayings. And I'm like, where are these coming from? Like what is happening right now? And I came home like after that tour thing, I ended up shattering my nose, Uh, had to come home from tour. Mom, she had a little, she had a little psycho moment, we, we, you know, like on all these things. And so I ended up moving out. <clears throat> I'll spare you the details of that, the details of that, but I ended up moving out and moving to Nashville in with my boyfriend at the time. And then I ended up after it was healed, uh, I, I ended up going back on tour, but I found out that like some stuff happened that, um, was preventing me from living my dream of marching drum corps. This is my only season I was going to get to do it. And I got really mad at that, that, you know, that people would let a personal agenda kind of get in the way. But I was lucky I was able to go back on tour. It was great. My nose was massive, but I got to do that. Like, um, that was also the summer that my dad, you know, like I said, I love my mama, but my mama, you know, like when I come home from that summer, um, you know, I got confronted by my parents. Like they were, you know, and you know, even though mom and I not talked to them for a second, but like I come in from a show and I'd had like my big mohawk. I was tan. I know that's terrible to sin, but I was tan. I hadn't showered in a day and a half. I still had show makeup on. I was like looking right. I had a big old star belt buckle on. I mean, she was gay. <clears throat> but 
I end up coming in and I had my ear pierced since. Ooh, but mom, instead of like saying, hello, how are you? No, she was just like, what are you doing? We're coming up in here with that ear pierce. I was like, oh, here we go. And then I just got confronted. Like, and it got bad. Like they were just like, you know, like they flat out asked me like if I was gay because they had gotten to my email and then they had seen some stuff that um that I had wrote to my boyfriend at the time. And it and then I defensive mode. I was like, no, I had to deny it. I had to deny it. I was like, nope, that's a phase in my life. It's totally fine. I'm actually going to go get in Christian counseling and it is done. It's over with. It's closed. I had to be defensive or defend myself. So I didn't lose my family. I freaked out. And that got them off my back. My dad found out he wasn't too happy with it. Here's primitive Baptist preacher boy over here. And he like comes and like defends me, which was really cool. Like he was just like, uh uh-uh. uh, like you and I created him. It don't matter what he is. It doesn't matter anything. We created him and you're going to love him. And it was so cool to see my dad do that. Now, like I said, I like I actually had a call with my mom today and I kind of warned her about the podcast. I was like, don't listen to it. But she is my best friend. And like, don't judge her. She's fabulous. But like at the time, like, you know, it's, she had to go through her own journey. Like I had to go through my own journey. She had to go through her own journey with it as well. Um, And so it was, it was cool to see my dad kind of stand up for me and all that stuff. And in all this, you know, and I, you know, the fact that I was financially dependent on my parents, I had to do what I had to do. Like I couldn't get, you know, if I lost my parents, I would lose my FAFSA. I'd lose all this stuff. It was crazy. So I still had fears of being myself with my family. My friends, I was kind of okay with it, but my family, I mean, at the end of the day, that's all you've got. So it was pretty, pretty terrifying. So, you know, that that was, that was a kind of a pivotal moment where I was just like, this is going to be a problem. Like, you're not going to be able to stay in this closet with your family, you know, for too much longer. So I was like, whew, but, you know, we all are on a journey and I still, I just wasn't comfortable yet. Anywho, but fast forward to junior and senior year, I was, you know, it was a good, oh my gosh, I was like, it was great. I ended up getting drum major uh, of the marching band. I was top of my class with the music education program. I was doing the sax quartet and sax ensemble, wind ensembles and this and that. I was doing color guard, blah, blah, blah. And I was basically mimicking, mimicking what I did in high school. Like I, you know, if I'm, I'm going to, my decisions that I do in school set me up for success in life. And so I took it very seriously and I, I made the most of it. Like, Every, everything that I could do, like I, I, you know, I did everything possible to make sure I had a good college experience, but also to really set me up for success and just get involved and make the most, most of it. So that's what I did, <clears throat> but it was very similar. I, it was the, you know, was pretty known on campus and, you know, being drum major, I was in charge of the student section and like people knew who it was and it was fun. And I was myself and, um, and I was, happy. Like I was out at school. It's not a big deal. Still wasn't out to my family. Um, even though they knew they weren't done. Um, but I still like cared what others, you know, I lived like, okay, I've got to do this. I've got to be this because I got to please others. Like I've got to do that. You know, like in that mentality, like I had a drive in me, my parents pushed me to always do good. That was healthy, but the drive to do good, to please others wasn't so healthy. I mean, it, it, and looking back on it, like everything's fine. College was fabulous. But it's, you know, some of these things that, that prevent me from being unapologetically me, like I started to kind of notice now in life, looking back on it. So it's kind of cool for me to also take this journey with you guys because I'm finding out some shit about my life that I'm like, oh, oh, that's what that means. That's what therapy, you know what I mean? This is like therapy for me. So, so yeah. 
So, and I ended up graduating with honors from Vandy and boom, I had a little life change moment there. I dropped to the education part and did musical arts. And then I went to Belmont for nursing. Had a little, I couldn't get everything done before I graduated Vandy. So I'd take like a easy, like do some prereqs, like anatomy and all that stuff to get my prereqs done for nursing school. So I took like a, a year just to kind of have fun and get those done. And then I started Belmont. Oh, nursing school. Lord, uh, there's going to be a whole other episode on nursing school. So we're just going to, but I'm just here to tell you. So I did an accelerated BSN program. So I did a four-year degree in a year and a half. It was a fall, spring, summer, fall. It was basically equivalent, ladies, you'll understand this, of doing a Brazilian with duct tape. Honey, it was fast and that shit was painful. Oh my God, I barely survived. Lord, nursing school, child, like I, I PTSD from it. But it's one of the best decisions I've ever done. And Belmont was absolutely fantastic. The faculty there uh, felt more like colleagues than they did teachers. It was, it was just a great experience. But we'll save all the details of nursing school for later. Um, but nursing school, I had sworn off. I was like, okay, you kind of like, I, academics always kind of came easy to me. But I was like, nursing school, you're going to have to be able to read books and like sit down and like, you know, so you don't kill people. So I was like, okay, maybe ADHD, going to have to put that in check. Tried some Adderall, tried some, all that stuff. That worked, but made me a moody bitch after three months. So I stopped taking that. Woo, had a child. I'll, that's a whole other story too. But I was like, you got to take this seriously. So I did. And I like, I was like, I kissed dating goodbye. I was like, no, boys suck. I'd had, you know, through the years of college, I was like, oh God, just guys suck in general. So anyways, I had kissed that goodbye. I was like, no. But then I'd met a boy <laughs> and I was like, and I warned him. I was like, look, I'm in nursing school right now and I don't have the time for this, but give me, give me, like, give me some time. And he was all about it and I kind of all wasn't. And then we kind of swapped places and like, that was a really not happy time in my life. Like, uh, and, and I kind of almost lost everything. Like it was the end of nursing school when I should be focusing on nursing school. I was focusing on this because my life was literally falling apart around me. Um, he, and uh, like I turned down at the very end of nursing school, like at the very last little bit, like here we are. And I was just like, and I told him, I was like, look, I will be there. You just got to give me some time. And then we were like, good, like midway through. And then like, he just kind of like was down there. And then I was up here all about it and he wasn't. And so I was like, okay. And then whenever it was come time to move to Indianapolis, uh, all of a sudden he just like changes. And I was like, okay. Um, this is after not applying to my dream job at Vanderbilt Trauma. And I'd already turned in my apartment notice. I lived in the Gulch in Nashville. It was beautiful. Uh, in a loft downtown. I turned in my apartment notice. And so I, and I had applied and I got the job in Indianapolis and doing all these things to be like, here we are, you know, and I, I've already warned you, like, I give me some time and I'll get there. And then, oh, that's funny. You have another guy living in the house that we have. Oh, thanks a lot for that. You know, it was awful. And I get it. It was, it, it, he was a great guy, but like, at the same time, it's like, it takes two to tango. Like I wasn't the nicest in that either. So, um, but I was like, I, I like I had warned you, I was like, here we are. And it was just so like, my life was falling apart. And at that moment, like life, life fell apart. Like, okay, I had to, was having to move to this city that I did not want to go to. It was cold, even though Indianapolis was like one of the best years of my life. Um, and I turned down the dream job and I don't, I'm having to move to this city, trying to find a place, like all this stuff. It was absolutely shit, bash it crazy and had some health issues I was going through. And in that, I got severely depressed. It was awful. Like it was not cute. Like I, we all, like, it just wasn't 
a pretty moment for me. And mom kind of knew. And then there was this one time I was on the way back from Louisville and she was just like, and we got into it. And I was trying my hardest. I was like, God, I'm about to like, just, yeah, like you don't know everything, like all this stuff. I was really mad. And then she was just like, Josh, I know I'm not stupid. And I was like, whew. And that like was a jolt of reality. I was like, oh my God, like my mom, my my mom knows what. Like, and of course she had to know, like, yeah, look at me, like, hello. You know, like cheerleading, color guard, like drum major. I'm not the the darkest cray on the box. Like, hello, like, you know, like, so she knew a mother's instincts is all, she always knew. But it was still the fact that like, it was now said. And like, and it just kind of like was like the pink elephant room that we just didn't talk about for a little bit. But it was just bad. It was it was a rocky road for a little bit. Um, but at that moment, like, it was like, it was the most stressful moment, but it was also like realizing that like, kind of like the entire weight of the world was off my shoulders. Like, everybody knew at that point. I didn't have to hide anymore. Like, oh my God. Like, didn't have to hide. Like, it was out. It was exposed. We all know. And, and the thing is, is like, being gay was not who I am. Being gay was a very small part of who I was. But people like to make it a big part of who I was. And that's not okay. Like, it's like, just like my eye color. You know what I mean? Like, and my hair color, well, when I don't dye it. And you know, genetics, like, it's just part of who I am. It's not, it doesn't define me. But like, looking back on it, like, it was so much defining me that it was sickening. And, and I hated that, that people defined me by that because I'm so much more. And I think that's what like shrunk me into this like person that I didn't, you know, I wasn't my true self. But now that little walnut shell had been cracked open, honey, and my sparkles were out for everybody to see. And although that was a hard road in itself with religion and feeling like I'm you still going to lose my family and everything. I mean, like I was, I felt like I was going to be on my own, but all the walls had been stripped down. All of me was exposed for the first time in my life. Like I was bare. I was like naked, like in the middle of an open field, like for the whole world to see. And guess what? The world didn't end. I still have my family. I still have my friends, even though the relationships have been different, but I still have my friends. I still like life didn't end. The world was not Y2K all over again. You know, it wasn't anything of that. It was, I was okay. And here's the thing. I think in completely losing who I was, I was actually able to find myself. Sit on that for a second. In completely losing who I was, I was actually able to find myself. I don't have to live by society anymore. I have nothing to hide anymore. Here I am. Take me or leave me. And it's funny how the most terrifying moment in my mind that could ever, at the, the scariest scenario of like my parents finding out and losing them and all this stuff. It's funny how the scariest moment that I ever thought could happen turned into the moment that was like the pivotal moment, the aha moment of like, oh, and to know it was like, oh, that wasn't so bad. You know, the scariest moment for me turned into the pivotal moment. And just losing myself, losing all the armor, losing all the stuff that I had built up to protect this me that nobody knew about. Like 
besides my family to know about, like I lost all of that. And in doing so, I found the true me, just raw, real, naked me. And it's funny how we get so wrapped up in everything that sometimes in life we have to lose ourselves. We have to lose ourselves in all the shit that we think in order to find our true self again and to find the truth and to kind of move on to that next chapter of life. So I had to like go, okay, well, that was an abrupt end to that chapter. So it's time to start a new one. You know what I mean? So the next time you're going cray cray or you're just like, ah, sometimes you got to lose yourself or you got to lose an idea. You got to lose something or your perception or anything that like you think is normal, what you think is right and all that stuff. If you struggle with that, lose it. And let's see what happens. Let's see what truth really come to the surface. I know it worked for me. That's for sure. So that was kind of my pivotal moment. And then starts the journey of being unapologetically me and having a blast and really getting to the root of um, everything and unboxing shit and dealing with shit and all that fun stuff that you know that we do. So now that you know the pivotal moment, it looks like we're going to have to talk about that on another episode when we continue this to part four the final moments of unapologetically me. I am so excited. We're going to pick up and we're going to talk about like my lead up into aesthetics and my journey with social media and the moment where I just said, I don't give a fuck. And here we go. And you get your boy that you now know and you're hearing on this podcast. So I hope you enjoyed part one, two, and now three. And you're going to tune in next week when we do part four in the final installment of Unapologetically Me and get to know who's behind this microphone before we get into all the tea, hunty that's about to be spilled on all things girls and boys. How did you not ready for it? But I am. Oh, I am. So make sure you subscribe to Tea Time with Talks Josh. Make for make sure you are following me on social media at Talks Josh. And make sure to tune in next week when we do part four. You won't want to miss it. It's going to be epic, full of awesomeness, and the tea will start to be spilled, hunty. But in the meantime, you know what we're going to do. We're going to... Uh, that's the last drop of that tea, sweetie. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,